we're gonna go to Acts chapter 10, but I wanna say this. I cannot sacrifice biblical depth for those who don't get it. So if you, so can, do I have permission to preach over some of your heads? Okay, and I'm just saying that because there is a level of depth in, in which the, the way the Lord gave this to me, and I gotta be obedient to transmit the message. I'm just the messenger, does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, so let's look at the word together, and we're gonna do this, Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Let's just stop right there. This is a description of Cornelius. Cornelius was a soldier. As a matter of fact, he was a veteran. Think about that, on behalf of Rome. So he would have encountered some things that would have had him war-torn and battered as a veteran. I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that he was a veteran because he's been through some stuff. Anybody here been through some stuff? Come on now, somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but when I say been through some stuff, you're a lot nicer than you should be. You get cut off on the road and you're like, today's your lucky day because I should be a psychopath. If you went through what I went through, you wouldn't have let that go. That's called grace, honey. Go ahead now. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you are nicer than your past dictates. Some of you are like, the proof that I'm saved is I only cuss as much as you hear me cuss. (laughs) Come on, somebody's trying to act all righteous. You know what I'm talking about. When it's just like, when someone's like, man, you're mean, you're like, oh, that's mean? (laughs) You think that's mean? Listen, I'm talking about you've been through some stuff. What I love about Cornelius is he was this centurion who had been through some stuff, but he was a a devout man who feared God with all his household, and he gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed continually to God. So first of all, he's not a Jew. He's a Gentile, meaning that he understood and had a revelation of who Jesus was, even though that wasn't his context and his culture. Some of you listening to me right now from Indiana, here in this room and around the world, this is not your native culture. Can I get an amen? Some of you are like, I just worship in a way that would get me in trouble Thanksgiving dinner. Some of you came from Catholicism, maybe Baptist, Presbyterian, maybe nothing at all. And As a centurion soldier, this was the culture of the kingdom that he was entering in was not native to him. Have you ever just taken an inventory of the way you love God and you think to yourself, this probably seems crazy to some people around me? Okay, let me just say this. If I showed your coworkers a video of how you just worshiped, would it be celebrated or gossiped about? (laughs) Come on, somebody. I'm sending the live stream to all your employers today. They're like, Jesus, Jesus. They're like, what? What are you doing? What I love about this centurion is he had such an understanding of who God was that he didn't let his culture block the kingdom. Let me, can I say that again? 
He didn't let his culture block the kingdom. I'm I'm Italian. I'm a centurion soldier. I'm in the Roman, but I'm a devout and I love God. The other thing I want to say is this. He gave alms to people. Alms, he generously gave finances. The Bible says that where your treasure is, your heart is also. Here's the thing about the bare minimums. The only people in scripture who tried to do the bare minimums financially were Pharisees that Jesus called out publicly. But the people who were generous, the ones who said, I don't care about what the minimum is, but I'm provoked to do the maximum. Those are the ones that are immortalized in scripture. We have the woman who gives two mites, which is everything she had. And then Jesus, who was watching the offering plate, said, hey, disciples, now that I'm mentoring you and I'm teaching you the ways of the kingdom, I know everybody gave because in Jewish society, they all give. There's no such thing as only some of them give. But that woman gave all. I want to highlight her. What I like love about this soldier is that he gave alms generously, generously. And I think that's important to say because I'm about to read you the next part when he steps out of the natural and is provoked into the spiritual realm and an angel shows him the results in the spiritual realm of that which he was doing in the physical realm. Because here's the thing, all these deconstructing Christians who are trying to work out their church hurt on social media, they they don't read the Bible as often or frequently as they say they do because the Bible changes you when you read it. The Bible gives you a revelation of the spiritual realm. The Bible gives you a revelation of the kingdom even if Christianity fails. And so just because you were hurt by failed Christianity doesn't mean you were ever hurt by the kingdom because the kingdom cannot fail right? And I have to say that because I want to show you in a few seconds, and this soldier gives you such a revelation that you never gave to a church. Your friends are like, I can't believe that that pastor who wants your money and you give to the church. Can I just tell you, if your friends understood the spiritual realm, they would realize you've never given to a church. The Bible says that when you give, Jesus receives it directly. That doesn't mean that he's not going to judge his servant who used it inappropriately. It just means that it's your obligation to become generous, and it's God's obligation to judge those who misappropriate the finances. Oh, I know you're slow clapping that in because some of you are like, oh, no, now I see why he's sweating. But we're in an era right now where people are trying to treat the supernatural kingdom of God like a business. This is not an organization, it's an organism. It's alive, it's breathing with resurrection power. And we don't do these things that we do because we're a community and we wanna feel good. We are the body of Christ and his bride and our feelings don't dictate our decisions. Matter of fact, it requires faith to do the things we don't feel like doing. And so I see your faith in your church attendance. I see your faith in the way you sing when you don't wanna sing. I see your faith in the way that you give when you don't wanna give. And if you wanna be recession proof. Don't spend the way the world spends. Give the way that God gave when he bankrupted heaven and gave his best, with his, which is his son Jesus. And this centurion soldier, he didn't have the fullness of God, but he had some powerful revelations that were transacting in the courtroom of heaven. Heaven has a courtroom. When you read the scriptures, there's a courtroom in heaven where things are decided, where things are judged. The currency in the courtroom of heaven is desperation and hunger. 
Oh, heaven doesn't respond to loud prayers, but it does respond to desperate ones. Heaven doesn't respond to loud music, but it responds to hunger. And sometimes the more desperate and hungrier you are, the louder it gets. But baby, don't think that God gave Hannah the infant that she was crying for because she was loud. It was because she was desperate and hungry. And she came back to the temple week after week. And even though she was in the temple being judged by people around her as a drunkard because they were making fun of the way in which she was worshiping, what happened is the court room of heaven was deciding the motives of her heart and the courtroom of heaven said Hannah you are desperate and you are hungry and even though those other women are making fun of the way you're worshiping you're about to get a miracle and they're going to hear the cry of your baby over your impotence to prove that desperation touches the courtroom of heaven desperation and hunger the ministry of deliverance is for the desperate your friends are like, oh, it doesn't take all that. Well, there's pastors that need deliverance, but they're not desperate enough. And sometimes God will cancel their ministry and drain their bank account, and then they'll think they hit the bottom, and some of these pastors got to go down to the basement because they're only on the first floor. And my question is, are you desperate enough for deliverance now? I'm telling you, what I love about Cornelius is he'd been in war. And when you're in war, you understand desperation. Uh-huh. Because guess what? Your bank account can't save you in war. (laughs) Your relationships can't save you. It's you and your men. There's something about Cornelius that could understand a revelation of the gospel because he knew what it meant to be in a life and death situation. That's why the gospel often shows up first among prostitutes and drug addicts because they understand life and death and they don't have any pride between them and the gospel. I say this because what's happening in the first five scriptures of my sermon is this man, Cornelius, is giving radically. There's something about his, he's fearless in his finances. He's investing in other people. He's investing in the kingdom. Paul said, give to the church in Jerusalem so that it can be financially stable. This is what was happening in the early church. And Cornelius was participating even though he hadn't full revelation of it. Then all of a sudden, it says his whole family. Somebody say his whole family. This was the kind of man that everybody's going to church on Sunday. Wake your butt up. If you flush my toilet, you're going to go to my church. If you drink my water, you're going to taste the living water when it splashes you on the face in the first row because you don't get a choice. My house, my rule, when you're 18, you can go pay $3,000 of rent here in New York on your own. But as for me and my house, I'll drag you. I'll get you here. You don't have to believe in God, but you're under my cover and I believe in God and I'm not scheduling a sport that takes my kid away from his only oh come on somebody there's some things that have to be sacrificed we want to get the results of righteousness with a carnal Christianity and listen you want to cheer your kid on for something cheer them on in righteousness cheer them on. Take a picture of them here at the altar, giving their life to God and frame that and then put the football picture right below it because they're not good at football anyway. And I have to say that because we're living in a time where Cornelius was a Roman citizen and his whole household was like, yo, and the dude was probably scary. 
I mean, this is a stone cold killer who's now a Christian. He probably gave the best hugs. The scariest people always give the best hugs, I'm right. They're like, I could kill you, but I won't. You're safe here because I could kill you and you know, you're safe here. And Cornelius said, my whole house, he knew how to lead. Men, this is not a call out, it's a call up. Lead your home. I don't know how to pray. Well, that's a bad excuse because you have an adversary that's prowling around like a lion trying to kill you and your family. Not knowing how to pray is like not knowing how to shoot a gun on a battlefield. You better learn real quick because there's lives on the line. None of you, if I took you to Afghanistan and put you on a battlefield, be like, I didn't shoot my gun because I don't know how to shoot it. You'd learn real quick. Prayer is something that you better learn real quick because you have an adversary that's trying to take you out with lust and pornography and Perversion that's trying to draw you away. You're in a war whether you choose to fight or not. Stop being punked by the devil and rise up in the faith that God has for you. Stop being pushed by the devil. I want to know who the Cornelius is who said, I learned how to fight in battle, but now I'm fighting in the Lord's army. Put my armor on because my whole house is about to be saved. My whole house. I'm just sick and tired of like, my kid gets to choose. Your kid doesn't get to choose. Your kid, if if your kid chose their diet, they'd be eating Twinkies all day, and then you'd have to pay for the dentist. And some of you are going to pay for the consequences of their sin because you gave them a diet that they should have never had. Just like you, it's neglect. It's neglect. I don't ask my kid what they want because they're the kid and I'm the spiritual authority. And what I love about Cornelius is he says, guess what, guys? I know we're not Jews, but we're going to live like those radical Christians down the street because dad knows the truth now. That's really who this guy was. Cornelius was like, yo, I don't care what Romans do. We're the seed of Abraham. You let them go do their thing. We'll find a league that meets on Saturdays. (laughs) We will. Oh, I've been to communist countries where they take your ability to gather. And the first Sunday they cancel your ability to gather, everybody wants to gather. So the Lord will be glorified no matter what, but I want to know who the Cornelius is. I love this guy. The more I studied him leading into this sermon, this guy was a fighter. Then all of a sudden, about the ninth hour, the angel came to him. He clearly saw in a vision an angel, and God said, uh, well, no, this is funny. This is funny. And about the ninth hour of the day, this is verse three, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God came in and said, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is that, God? This is the scriptures. What is that? What? And he asked, and he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. But I thought I was just given in that plastic bucket that they pass. But I thought I was just tapping a little heart on the V1 Church mobile app. No, no. That's what you're doing in the natural But if an angel could come here and tell you what they see in their dimension, every time you give, when you get paid, you are building a memorial before God in your family's name. Then it said, every time you prayed, this is what it said, Cornelius, every time you prayed, have you ever prayed and felt like heaven didn't hear? It's the opposite. Now, heaven may not respond because God's not a helicopter parent like some of you. 
And some of you, as soon as your kid makes a noise, you come running. Sometimes God will not respond long enough for you to turn into a mature believer. How many of you are thankful for God's delayed response? Oh, see, uh, that's maturity because he's not a helicopter parent. Sometimes, God, God, he's like, oh, I hear you. I'm just not responding. You'll be all right. <laughs> you know, and some of you had those parents and you're like, well, that hurts. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because it said that every time he prayed, whether God responded directly or indirectly, there was a memorial that was being built up to heaven. I want to pause right here and just say the title of this sermon, 25 minutes in, is the... <laughs> I haven't been good at preaching cliche sermons with three points. The domino effect. Because every single time Cornelius gave, every single time Cornelius prayed, every single time Cornelius made his whole family participate in faith, he was pushing down a domino. Momentum was building, and then heaven said, hey, in the courtroom of heaven, we feel your hunger, we discerned your desperation, and you are actually the conduit for revival. This is what's get, getting ready to happen. So then this angel comes to him, and he, he doesn't even worship the angel. He turns and he says, God, what is this? And then all of a sudden the angel says, you've, ha you've made this, uh, really you've just made a memorial in heaven, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter, who is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, so now that's Cornelius. He gets this word from an angel. Then all of a sudden, now God is dealing with Peter. This is the next part, verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. I love this, verse 10. And Peter, he got real hungry, <laughs> and he wanted something to eat. But while he was preparing it, he fell into a trance. Isn't this amazing? You know powerful Peter the one that does signs, miracles, and wonders, the one in Acts chapter two that begin to speak in other tongues. You know that, Peter? God was trying to start a revival through the Gentiles, and Peter's praying. He doesn't hear nothing from the Lord when he's praying, which means he wasn't listening when he was praying. Sounds just like Peter, doesn't it? And then he thinks, I'm hungry. Peter, in this story, is a pastor that prays because they know they should, but isn't listening to the Lord. Peter, in this passage, is a Christian who's like, service just went too long. And I know that Chick-fil-A is not open on Sundays, but PDQ is. <laughs> you know, there was a meme that went viral this last week. You probably saw it. And it said, a long church service is a lot like a hostage situation. Okay, by the sounds of it, many of you have heard that. My good friend Marcus Rogers clapped back, and he said, by that standard, Netflix and your phone is the real hostage situation. 
So I will tell you this, some of you have already spent two and a half years cumulatively of your life watching pornography. You can stay in a 90-minute service. Some of you have watched more murder and vile, horrific stuff for the last how many years of your life. Don't ever be mad at the man of God who's trying to balance the equation of your own carnality. A long service is not long enough. All you did was delay your sin for the three hours you were in the room. And sometimes we got to go back to tarrying from digging in. Everything in your life is microwavable, but the quality of microwavable food is less than the food that you cook. And there's some things that are cooked in intercession, cooked in prayer. There's some things where the ingredients got to be made from scratch. Some of you have never had something spiritual made from scratch because we nuke it and we shove it in your face, but your spiritual life is the result of your diet. Don't ever, I'm telling you, some services will be out in 70 minutes, I promise, if you come to the 9 a.m. But I'm telling you, there's something stirring in the earth and carnal people are like, well, I've been in this service too long. And the Lord's like, really? Because I haven't heard from you the other six days at all. Really? Because your pastor's posting more Bible reading plans than Craig Rochelle, but you haven't read any of them. Really? Because I, you're wanting a prophetic word more than you want the Logos word. And some of you are saying, I haven't heard God, but your Bible's closed. And I, I have to say it because there's this thing that Cornelius was begging, God, show up on my family. I'll give the money. I'll show up. Cornelius was desperate. And then you've got Peter who's hungry. <laughs> and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while he was there, a, a trance fell on him and he saw the heavens open. Now, listen, this is the deep part. Cornelius, because of his desperation and spiritual hunger, was graced by this angelic vision. Peter, because he was stuck in his old ways, had to have a grace of an open heaven. And so when you look at this word, it's, it's so profound. He missed it. He didn't hear from God. Aren't you glad for the times where God divinely disrupts you and says, hey, I'm going to make sure you don't miss it today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When God says, hey, despite you, I'm still going to get you into it. He says, he gets, this, he gets this vision and there's all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds in the air. And there came a voice to him saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that's common or unclean. Notice that when Cornelius gets a word to the angel, he asks a question. Who is this God? But notice when Peter gets a word, he makes a statement. Oh, when Cornelius asked a question, he revealed his humility. When Peter made a statement, he revealed his pride. Peter, is any one of us, God's trying to do something and you're trying to figure it out. Stop trying to figure it out and start trying to obey. Because figuring it out is a delay. Figuring it out is a hesitation. Figuring it out. And some of you have been like, well, I, I just want to stop trying to figure it out and immediately respond to what God's doing. Amen? Because Peter, he's clapping back to God. And then he said, well, I've never eaten. And then, but Pete, now listen, this is the crazy part. Verse 15. And the voice came to him again a second time and said, what was made clean? Do not call it common. This happened three times. And this thing was taken up to heaven. How many of you know the story of 
Peter denying Jesus three times. He did it again with the Holy Ghost on the inside of him. And you know why you hear this story from your pastors growing up over and over about how he denied Christ three times, but you never heard that he denied him again in Acts chapter 10? Because your pastor is like Peter denying the movement of the Holy Spirit. And so the, all pastors receive salvation, but not all pastors receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and move in obedience to the Holy Spirit. So every pastor preaches the three times Peter denied Christ, but very few will preach Acts chapter 10 where Peter did it again about the movement of the Holy Spirit. I told you this is going to go over some people's heads. But then God persists with Peter. And while Peter was inwardly perplexed, look, he's confused. He's hungry and confused now. God, what are you trying to do? The men who were sent by Cornelius, having made an inquiry for Simon's house, stood up at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who is called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Now, why would God have to tell Peter, go do it without hesitation? Because he knew Peter. Somebody say, without hesitation. I'm asking you, don't be Peter, who had these amazing spiritual experiences, but God is calling you to Cornelius. Cornelius represents the Catholic, the Catholic that loves God. Matter of fact, the Lord showed me that there's about to be a revival among Catholics, and it's going to start here in New York. The, I know that's scandalous. I know some of you are like, not everything they believe is right. Well, yeah, I know I had a viral video where people wanted to kill me over it. But I want to tell you this. What I've discerned about Catholics, just like Cornelius, is many of them have been faithfully giving generously year after year. Am I right? Some of you have family members that have faithfully given to the Catholic Church every single time it was asked of them. Not because they were given to the church, but they were giving unto the Lord. They had a generous heart. Many Catholics as well, they don't understand everything, but they love the Lord and they pray and they have these powerful experiences. And I want to show you because Cornelius represents somebody who got to a certain level, but God was going to take them all the way. And there's friends that you have that you're like, kind of, we can become like Peter where we say, you know, um, my friends don't get it. I won't invite them to church. I won't invite them to the Domino Revival. I won't invite them to the conference because they're not ready for it. But you're holding back on somebody just like Cornelius. The Lord had already dealt with him and Cornelius was ready. The question is, Peter ready? Can I say something to you guys? I feel like for the last five years pastoring here, specifically on Long Island, I have to prove something first, then everybody supports it. I felt like with the conference, I kept saying what was gonna happen and people had very little faith for what I was saying. And I was discouraged leading up to the conference because I said, I don't think just classic skepticism, they're dealing in that Peter spirit where it's like, you gotta say it three times. And to be honest with you guys, we had a thousand people come out for the conference, but it wasn't Long Island. It was our global online family. They didn't come for Jenny, they didn't come for Ryan. 
They didn't come for the influencers. When we traced the registrations back, these were global online people through my YouTube channel and through our church. And I say that not as a rebuke to discourage you, but to say, God is getting ready to save a Cornelius. And now we're taking our next step as a church. Now look, it's the week after conference. All We had two services already. They're, they're full. We got people sitting. But, it, it's, but the spirit of skepticism, you have to break it with faith and say, I see what my pastor is seeing by faith. And there has to be a holy alignment that comes over this church to birth this revival movement. Because a lot of times people like out here on Long Island specifically, you dip one toe in and you're like, I'll wait and hear how the conference was and I'll go next year. And all these people from around the world showed up. They drove out, they flew out, and they said, man, I would do anything to have a church like that here. And I don't say that as a rebuke. I say it as an encouragement because this next Sunday, the next Sunday night in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, we are doing the Domino Revival Tour. And there's still time because some of you say, some of you say, well, I'm not going to go. You've already decided in your heart you're not going to go. But I will tell you this, revival is breaking out. And I'm going to tell you, I want to see you in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I want to, some of you are saying in your heart right now, well, I don't drive in the city. You know, that, I, don't, I don't drive in the city. There's some of you are saying, that's, well, that's not me. But I'm telling you guys, we are contending for revival in the spirit realm. And here's what's going to happen, because this is what happened with Cornelius. They basically got to this place of Caesarea. And as they got there, it says they rose up and they went. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him. Now watch. Cornelius had already been prepared by God and brought his family and brought his friends and said, Okay, Peter, you tell me what you need to tell me now. I'm telling you guys what's going to happen this next Sunday in Brooklyn is we get there and there's gonna be Corneliuses everywhere. Now they're gonna be sitting on blankets with their friends. They're gonna be hanging out with their family members. They don't even know church is happening there. But there's a mandate on Peter to go to Caesarea. There's a mandate on Peter to go to Caesarea. Peter was located in one geography, but he had to change his geography to see revival break out among the Gentiles. Mike and Julie lived in Indiana, but had to move to New York to see the movement of God. Okay? L listen, sometimes God will change your geography. You've got to move, and then God moves. Uh, you know what? Jonah had to go to Nineveh, and then when he got to a new geography, the movement of God happened. You make your move and then God makes their move so some of you I'm telling you you're you I need you as a church stop watching uh, 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 New Jersey and Pennsylvania and people come and they're the ones I'm talking if you are a V1 church person next Sunday night I want us to fill Domino Park I want us to lift up our voices because demons are going to be cast out of people in public healings are going to happen in public I'm telling you you're going to see God begin to move and there's going to be a Cornelius there I want to show you what happens and Cornelius says, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer had been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. There's going to be some people in Domino Park that have given and they've prayed and they've said, God, do you even hear me? 
God, I want to kill myself. And our church is going to show up in that park and say that you were destined with a purpose. God has not forgotten you. God is not, you are heard by God. There is a memorial. There's going to be something that happens. But I wrote this first point down. Point number one of this message, we must break church protocol in order to break new territory for the church. I'm going to say it again. We must break church protocol to break into new territory. There are people that won't come to us. I'm not happy that we're standing room only in this place because there's millions of people around this church that don't know Jesus and they won't come to us. But baby, we're coming to you. We're going to say the message to you. I don't care if you're addicted to drugs, LGBTQIA+. I'm coming for every single one of you to experience the love of your father. I'm talking to the pimps and the prostitutes. I'm talking to the desperate. I don't, don't clean yourself up and then come, you come to Jesus and he will clean you up. I'll tell you there's a place for you at my father's table, come and eat. I'm not gonna be like Peter. I'm going to Caesarea. I'm going to Caesarea because there is a man there who is in love with God, but doesn't have the fullness stay on your feet stay on your feet I want to tell you this I want to show you what happens but I want to tell you that here bring the lights up a little bit I like looking at him this man had received the baptism of John he received like the fundamentals of the faith he was a good Presbyterian he was a good Baptist he went to the church down the street that never spoke in tongues He went to the church that never prophesied. This is the kind of Christianity that Cornelius had, but Cornelius was hungry for more. There's some people that I'm telling you, every single one of these dates, let me read you number two. Don't allow a religious spirit to make you mad about God using the least likely. I said, don't allow a religious spirit to make you mad about how God is gonna use the least likely. I'll tell you this, I can't say their name, but there's somebody very prominent, very, very, very prominent in the LGBTQ community. He's famous. The other day I logged into my Instagram and I saw that he had liked over a dozen of my posts. Now I'll tell you this, that's a hunger. You don't, like, you don't like 15 posts from a lead pastor who's preaching some unapologetic, crazy sermons. And this guy, you would know. But he liked all these posts. And I looked at it, I began to weep. I said, there's a Cornelius. There's a Cornelius. There's a Cornelius. He may not have the full revelation of your love, Father, but something brought him to this page, and he's responding to the anointing and the power of God. There's a Cornelius. There's a Cornelius. I talk to Catholics all the time who say, I pray, and sometimes I cry when I pray. I feel the presence of God, and I say, Honey, that's the Holy Ghost. There's more. That's the Holy Spirit. It's a Cornelius. Number three is this, my third and final point. Meet them at their level of hunger and desperation. The courts of heaven acknowledge hunger and desperation as a supernatural transaction. I wanna read this last part. It says, Cornelius got his whole family together and said, okay, apostle, we're here. I got my whole family here. I canceled football. I canceled cheerleading and dance. 
Everything's, we, we're here. We did whatever we had to do to get here. We didn't make an excuse about gas prices. We're hungry. We're desperate. We didn't say, I don't want to drive to the city, so I'm going to miss, miss revival. I don't want to inconvenience myself. We've inconvenienced ourselves. And matter of fact, what I love about Cornelius, oh Lord, this is such a revelation. Cornelius started by telling his immediate family, you must serve the Lord. And he was faithful with little. And in this next passage, you see all of his extended family is with him and they all get saved. Some of you have been like, why is my whole family not getting saved? It's because you've got to put a mandate around your immediate family. 18 and under, you live in my house? One of these days, hey, hey kid, I got a testimony for you. My mom used to make me go to church and I hated it, but now I'm so thankful because I see what my mom saw. My dad, he made us read the word and memorize it and I used to get so annoyed but then when I was met with adult problems, I had a heavenly answer because I knew how to respond in the spirit. Cornelius is saying, four days ago, I saw this thing happen. So go ahead, tell us what you have to tell us. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right and acceptable to him for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. When we go to the Domino Revival, we are preaching peace. This is the gospel of peace. Your friends don't have peace. I'm telling you, they can decriminalize it, but marijuana can't give you peace. I said it. I said it. Yeah, I said it. Marijuana can get you high, but it can't give you peace. I'll stay with the most high, the prince of peace. Peace isn't a feeling. Peace is a person, the prince of peace. And he was preaching the gospel of peace. When we show up to Lancaster, I'm bringing the prince of peace with me. You can't get this through a pill. When I show up to London, I'm giving him peace, the gospel of peace. Ask your, don't ask your family, do you want to go to church? Say, do you need peace? Don't tell your family, come to the Domino Revival, say, do you need peace? He begins to preach the gospel of peace. He says, you yourself know but what happened in all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, had God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went doing good things, hearing all that were oppressed by the devil, or no, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Jesus. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Now watch, I'm gonna skip down to verse 44. While Peter was still saying all these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gifts of the Spirit were poured out upon the Catholics, upon the atheists, upon the gay community, upon, I'm trying to help somebody understand, the gifts of the Spirit were poured out among the prostitutes, the pimps, the drug addicts, the murderers, those who were in fornication, and 
and the gifts of the Holy Spirit were poured out among the Gentiles. Why? Because the same grace through repentance was available to them. And no, I'm not giving license to continue to sin, but what I'm simply saying is we have in our mind who God can save and who God can't save. And God specializes in saving the least likely. He specializes in drawing the one to himself that you don't think would ever be saved. And that's what begins to happen. And Peter didn't even give his altar call yet, but the Holy Ghost came upon them and they started speaking in other tongues. And I can tell you this, there's going to be some people in Domino Park that start off as spectators and end up as participants. There's going to be some people that don't even know it right now. They're texting their friends. Oh, they're texting their friends now saying, hey, next Sunday, do you want to hang out in Domino Park? And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, text them back. It's a yes, because I'm about to meet you there and mess your life up. There's some people that are about to get saved. Does anybody believe it? Now, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to the Peters at every location. And I'm talking, Peter is the one that, man, God has to keep pushing you. So am I provoking you into the next level? Because some people say, well, do you need me in Williamsburg? My answer is yes. <laughs> we could have used you at the conference too. There's, the Bible says the harvest is vast. The laborers are few. Pray. Right now, if you're here on Long Island, I want you to grab your phone and right in front of you on every seat is a I don't know what you call it. It's like a metal sticker. I want you to touch your phone to that and see if it brings up the link. And then I think they have a QR code or something in Indiana. Can somebody from our team confirm how Indiana does what they do? I want you to do this though. Try to tap it with your phone and I want you to sign up for the Brooklyn location and give me your yes that you'll come. I know this is a crazy, I was thinking, Julie, about how few pastors would preach this kind of message. Most pastors are concerned with you coming to church. I'm concerned with you being the church. I want you to meet me there next Sunday night. And so just tap your phone to that thing. If you hold it up there long enough, it'll bring up a link. If you're in Indiana right now, I think it's in our mobile app. Is that it? It's in our mobile app and you can sign up. Now, why am I doing this? I'll let you take a few moments while you do that, but I want to explain. This is the weirdest altar call I could ever give. But Jonah was used by God to start a revival, but because that revival happened with Ninevites, he didn't like Ninevites. He didn't like Nineveh. He didn't want to go there. And so what I'm saying is, I don't care if you don't like Brooklyn. I don't care if you don't like city folk. I'm telling you, I'm everybody who can come, I want you Sunday night to be there and say, God, you are starting a revival and it starts here. Oftentimes, whatever area you sow in is the area you grow in. If you sow into somebody else's child, if you sow into somebody else's field, it'll show up in your own field, in your own home. And so right now, just take a moment. I think the Brooklyn location is there. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. But here's the good news. 
The conference came and went. It was incredible. Many of you are here because of that. But now we're going to the next stage, and I, I actually believe it's more important, Pastor Jocelyn, because church is where you come to get equipped. Now we've got to go out, and we've got to fight this battle, and we've got to lead people to Jesus. Church is for encouragement and equipping, but we've got to go. Will somebody just say the, the word go? Come on, I felt that. Did I give you enough time? Okay, would you just stand to your feet across all of our campuses? I wanna pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every single person who's signed up, who's making in their heart right now the decision that they are going to go. God, our church is not gonna miss the mandate. In Indiana, Founders Square in Portage, Indiana, is gonna be filled with spiritual orphans that are gonna come to know you. God, when we go down to Brownsville, the old well of revival for Brownsville Church will be open and many, many, many will be free. When we go to Miami and Apostle Alexander Pagani meets me there, God, we are going to do something in Miami that is destined to set captives free. God, when we go to California, Huntington Beach, Los Angeles. Come on, guys. We're one week away from tour. Begin to pray with me right now. This is serious. Father, I thank you that when we get to Washington State, God, Seattle, Tri-Cities, Yakima, you said that you would give us the nations for our inheritance. Toronto, Canada, we're going to open up an old well of revival in Toronto. God, we are movement makers, movement makers. Church, just press in. If you need to, just lift your hands towards heaven with me and just say the words of Isaiah. Say, here I am, send me. Come on, just make a declaration. Here I am, send me. Come on, there's a Cornelius rising up to lead their family. Come on, there's somebody stepping into their fullness. Just say, God, here I am, send me. He's gonna use you in great and mighty ways. He's gonna use you in great and mighty ways. Father, I thank you for miracles, signs, wonders, healings coming through everyone with lifted hands. And I thank you, God, for domino revival, pushing down the dominoes. In Jesus' name.